15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Hey, I'm David Eliku, and this is The Knowledge. A place for discussing big ideas and pressing issues. Each week I'll share the things I'm learning and speak with a variety of incredibly interesting guests to hear what they've learned about navigating the world around them. In this week's episode, I'm talking about finding balance and fulfillment in life, creating identity-based habits, and choosing and defining better goals. If you like this episode... Be a cheerful giver and share it with a friend. And also, please don't forget to leave a review. Those really help the podcast. And finally, check out my awesome newsletter at theknowledge.substack.com. We are coming to the end of January, which means people are starting to freak out about their New Year's resolutions and the lack of resolution thereof. But we've had a tough time and most people are getting tired of the mental energy that productivity and supposed life improvement takes up. I was listening to an interview recently with Michael Phelps, who you may know as one of the greatest swimmers in human history. And he shared something that stuck with me. It was that when you need to perform consistently at such a high level, it's important that you make every stroke count. That means even on your worst day, you are pushing your body to get an extra 30 or even 50%. And that doesn't mean you're going to have a 100% day. It's still a bad day, but it means just not hanging your head up and and giving up as soon as you realize that, your training is off or things just aren't going the way you originally thought they were going to go. And I think that that was a powerful reminder for me that performance athletes are not robots. They are not as much as you might think. So when you watch Michael Phelps or you watch a lot of these extreme high performers consistently swim after swim, perform at ridiculous levels, you think that this is just what they were born to do. And they were, but I think what we often underestimate is the immense resilience it takes Mm -hmm. and how much you have to show up time and time again. And it's very easy to discount the humanity in failure. And it's very easy to discount the fact that they are not perfect. They have bad days. They have bad weeks, bad years. You know, there are runners who have for years just failed and come third or fifth in their races and, and really just fail to live up to their hype or their own personal expectations. And then one day something clicks and they are able to break world records. 
there's a particular runner I'm thinking of, but I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember their name, but it, he's a long distance runner. I was reading about him in a book recently. But the point is squeezing 30, 50, 60% out of your body on a bad day is better than nothing. And I think that is the mental energy that we need to come at things with an attitude where we resolve to be resilient, even when things don't go well, even when things don't go as planned. That said, I know that forcing your body to find an extra 30% might sound strenuous or arduous, and it might not sound like something that's fun or something you'd want to push yourself to do, particularly right now, you know, we're in a global pandemic. This is not as much as everyone was out baking banana bread and talking about, oh, you have to develop all these skills within the next few months. I think most people should be over that by now. This is a really tiring time. And I think it's okay to recognize that. But simultaneously, in 2021, having already gone through a year of this, I think now is the best time to start thinking about how do we want to be able to adapt? How can we reconfigure ourselves to really live in this new age? And how can we grab and scrape the most out of the life that we have, as limited as we may be? And the thing with performance athletes is what really sets them apart and what characterizes them is how attuned they are to their body's rhythms, how well they understand themselves, their mentality, how well they know their own psyche and they moderate it. They moderate their internal voice. They, whether it's through affirmations, they journal regularly. These are all things that if you've, if you've read enough books or if you've listened to interviews, you know that so many athletes do this. LeBron James, as an example, spends over, I think it's now a million and a half dollars each year just on his body. And again, that's not a luxury that everyone shares, but I think it just goes to show how much these people care about their bodies. And while it may seem like a luxury only for the rich to be able to afford such intensive and direct care, I think we can all learn similarly from, you know, how much attention we need to pay to our sleep, to resting, to preloading before we exert ourselves. These are the things that we need to build into our schedules and into our rhythms. And so thinking about habits and better habits that we can ingrain, if you've ever read the book Atomic Habits, the author James Clear shares a great paradigm, which is that one of the best ways to ingrain new habits is thinking of them not as actions that you need to undertake, but as the identity of the person you are becoming by doing those things. I'll read a quote, actually. So he says, your current behaviors are simply a reflection of your current identity. What you do now is a mirror image of the type of person you believe that you are, either consciously or subconsciously. So to change your habits for good, you need to start believing new things about yourself. You need to build identity-based habits. Many people begin the process of changing their habits by focusing on what they want to achieve. This leads us to outcome-based habits. The alternative is to build identity-based habits. With this approach, we start by focusing on who we want to become. So the two-step breakdown of this is, one, deciding the type of person you want to be, and two, 
proving it to yourself with small incremental wins. As an example, say you wanted to become a better writer. The identity would be, I want to become the kind of person that writes a thousand words a day. The small win, the small step you could take to becoming that person is writing one paragraph a day each week. The way I think about it is identifying the smallest domino that you can topple that will start the chain reaction leading to bigger and bigger dominoes that you can conquer. Okay, so if we know that we need to build identity-based habits, I guess the next question is how do we identify what the right goals are? How do I identify what that person is that we want to become and how do we make sure that we're optimizing for the right habits for that identity. I think surprisingly often, the reason that we fail to build habits and meet our expectations is because we're asking the wrong questions. And so we're not solving the right problems. There's a really good framework to help with this called the five whys. And essentially it's a, it's a way of getting to first principles. I think the key is resetting your levels of inquisition. Very often we start at a certain point. We just pick a point and we say, okay, this is what I see before me. This is what I want to achieve. I think that very often the reason we fail to achieve our ambitions and to achieve our goals is because we don't ask the right questions. And so we're solving for the wrong problems. So the five whys framework goes like this. I'll read an example. Let's say your car refuses to start and you say, why? The answer might be because the battery is dead. And so if you stop there, the solution might be, oh, well, clearly you need a new battery. But if you ask why again, maybe it's because the alternator is not functioning. And if you ask why again, it's because the alternator is broken. And why is the alternator broken? Well, because the alternator belt was well beyond the date that it needed to be serviced. And then it wasn't replaced. And then you ask why again, and it's because the vehicle wasn't maintained according to the specifications and the recommended service schedule. And so the point is that when you only ask one question or you ask the wrong question, it's easy to take action on the wrong premise. You can solve for a problem that you don't necessarily have, or you can solve for a very surface level problem. I'll give you another example. And this is a very popular one that you'll see around the internet. And a lot of people feel the same way. The fire movement is largely based on this premise. It's wanting to make X amount of passive income. Now, let's say you want to earn a thousand pounds or a thousand dollars in passive income. Okay. Why? The answer to the first why might be, I just want to be free from the rat race. I want to escape the rat race. I want to be free from the corporate shackles. And then you ask why again. And then the answer might be, well, I just want to pursue my own interests without feeling any obligation. And then you ask why for the third time, because I want to be free. And then you ask why again. Maybe it's because I just want more time to explore myself and to understand what I really want and what I care about and what my purpose is. And then you ask why for the fifth time. And the answer is simply because 
I haven't had enough time to understand who I am. And I think by going through these iterative levels of self-examination, you ask better and better questions and you get to the root cause of the issue. And that's why very often, you know, if you only solve for a surface level problem, if you thought that that underlying problem was going to be solved simply by having a thousand dollars in passive income, because that was your level one goal, you would still be unfulfilled. And that's why so many people that seek to pacify their internal needs and things that they think are going wrong in their life and think and think they can just patch that over with money or with relationships or with whatever else, people still are unsatisfied because very often we haven't gone below a surface level of inquisition in really understanding what's missing, what we really want, what we really need. But by using first principles thinking and asking why using the five whys framework. I mean, the, the number five is arbitrary here. It's not about asking why specifically five times. The point is just asking why enough times to get to the root cause rather than what you might see on a preliminary inspection. At the end of the day, the point is that it's never too late to redefine who you are and who you want to be and recommit to how you want to spend your time. I think very often we say that we care about X, Y, and Z. And that is not aligned with how we choose to spend our time and how we choose to invest our time and the habits that we form and the decisions that we make. And I think the start of a new year is a great time to redefine that. But to be honest, any time is a great time to redefine that. You don't specifically have to wait for a new month or a new year or a new day. You can make that decision at any point. The The key is just really crystallizing what you want from life and what your ideal status is. We'll be right back after this break. Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi Advanced Security protects your connected devices, helps you avoid sketchy sites, and sends real-time alerts so you're in the know. Learn more at cox.com pano. Restrictions apply. Copyright 2020 Cox Communications Inc. All rights reserved. It's a really good framework that I was introduced to last year by a coach was the life wheel. And I think that's a really good framework that you can use in your life. I'll leave a link below. I made my own template for this. I think I saw lots of templates on the internet. A lot of them just seem to be varying shades of not good enough. <laughs> I think the key for me was I really wanted to go again below the surface level. I think you will benefit a lot whenever you choose to go through this process, simply just by stepping back. I think very often, particularly as the year gets started, as you get into the swing of things, you're pushed fast. Life moves really quickly. You have a bit of a break around December and Christmas time or the holiday period, whatever you choose to celebrate. And you have this brief moment of introspection where you can think and you can plan and you can make often what are quite grand plans of everything you want to change and everything you want to do. And I think that's the place where New Year's resolutions often come from. They come from this almost fairy tale world where you're separated from the speed of everyday life and you can say, oh, in an ideal world, this is where I'd like to be. And you don't necessarily have to ground those ideals in reality. But I think, you know, 
even just taking a walk, even just stepping outside, even just taking a moment, doing a breathing exercise and focusing, pulling back from everything you're being pushed to do and just really taking your time to be introspective and think about what you want, what would really be fulfilling for you. Because very often what we perceive as discomfort in a certain area of life is just one of two things. One is a a lack of alignment with our values and two, a lack of strategy in how we want to optimize for balance. So the life wheel, I'll include a link below to places where you can find them online. I'll also include a link to the template that I made in Notion and that's how I do it for myself. And I'll explain the framework that I built for going through a step-by-step life evaluation. Um, the life will is powerful because it gives you a very holistic picture of where you're at now compared to where you would like to be. And I think going through that process is actually very important because very often when we have goals, like I've, I've had life goals, I've had things that I want to achieve. I've had things that I want to do. And it's really easy to only focus in on a very few areas of your life. But, you know, we are whole people. When your goals are only in the realm of, you know, maybe business or your career or um, even a family, you can very easily miss a lot of other areas. And that is part of what leads to this feeling of unfulfillment. And so I think by delineating what your ideal state in each of those areas of your life is, that is a really, really good step towards just understanding yourself better and putting yourself in a position that you can better achieve fulfillment in all those areas. So as a first step, I would split your life into roughly eight key areas. The framework that I developed for going through this process is AIDA, A-I-D-A. The first step being appraise, the second step being inspect, the third step being design, and the fourth step being audit. So again, the first step in appraising your life is breaking your life into maybe about eight different areas. Things like family, friends, love, career, finances, health, fun and leisure. For me, this was business because I separate business from my career. It might also be hobbies. And then the eighth area for me was spirituality. But again, for you, that might be learning. It could be self-development. It could be enlightenment. Again, these are things for you to define. But I think picking eight areas forces you to stretch yourself a bit in terms of thinking, what are the things I truly value? What are the areas of my life that I actually want to track and think about and care about regularly? And once you have those eight areas, then give yourself a score out of 10 for each of those areas. So how would you score where you are right now out of 10 in your family life, in your professional life, in your career, in your love life, in your life with your friends, in your self-development, in your health? Be honest. It's really important that you be honest with yourself as you go through this process. The second step is to inspect. And this means asking yourself real incisive questions. And you have to be critical. A great quote that I 
remember from Tony Robbins is in an interview he had with Tim Ferriss is that the quality of your life is measured by the quality of your questions. And that's a big, and, and you could go into lots of other areas off the back of that quote, but applying that here specifically means that you just have to ask really good questions. And so um, this also leads to asking, you know, why have I rated myself whatever you've given for each of these areas? Why am I in this position? This could be a good thing and it can be a bad thing. If you've given yourself a good rating, why? What characterizes that? What things have gone well enough that you think that, oh, I'm a seven out of 10 or an eight out of 10 or a 10 out of 10 in this area? Is this really the maximum fulfillment that I could achieve in this area? Think about it. The third stage is design. And this, again, is very question-led. And it's about asking more critical questions, not just about where you are now, but now thinking about where you want to be and how you're going to get there. So I guess the first part is defining what is a 10 out of 10 in each area. Based on your instinctive impression of where you are at now, what would it really take to be at a 10 out of 10 in specifically each area of your life? And I think that's why this is a really great process because ordinarily when I just think of, oh, where I'd like to be, I just think of kind of a rough mess of like, ah, somewhere over here, somewhere happy, maybe having a family, maybe having some money, this and that. But this forces you really to break it down area by area, thinking about each in turn and thinking, what is a 10 in that area? What's a 10 in my relationship with my family? What's a 10 in my relationship with my friends? The ideal, it doesn't have to be something that you're going to achieve Tomorrow, that's not the point. The point is just what is perfection in that area of life? And then once you've defined that, the subsequent step is to ask more questions about how you can get there. So what steps could you make today or this month or in this quarter? This is where you design the framework of how you can get from where you are now to where you want to be. And a key reminder that I'd give here is to try and have a balance of both input and output metrics. For clarity, input metrics are things that you do to be on the right track. So if I'm doing X, Y, and Z, I know that I'm on the right track. Output metrics are results. They are when these things happen, I know I'm on the right track. And I think having a good mix of both is key because very often we can over-index on output metrics, we can think, oh, it's only when these things happen that I know that I'm going to be on the right track and these things don't happen. There's the gap that you're missing is what do you have to do to get there? Because if you just wait for certain events to happen and never think about, okay, what steps could I be doing to get there? Then you won't be able to connect those dots and bridge the gap. So the fourth and final phase is to audit. Once you've undergone this process, I think it's really important to, at a cadence that's comfortable for you, to regularly return and review what you've written. Review where you were at when you last did the exercise. Review the questions that you asked yourself. Review the answers that you gave. Review the framework that you designed, which said, These are the things that I need to do. These are the things that I need to implement. These are the changes I can make. These are the steps I can take to 
push me iteratively towards where I want to be. Again, don't overcook all of this. Start with the smallest possible domino. That's how you get your extra 30%, right? Start with the smallest possible domino. Think, what are the small bits that I can get right to push me towards this identity that I want to have? If you're new to these kind of reviews, I would honestly recommend starting with daily reviews. This doesn't have to be arduous. I do it as an example. I go for walks in the morning and as I walk, I literally just look at it on my phone and I can very easily see, I can just scroll through. It's on, it's on Notion. I did my framework in Notion and I have the Notion app and it's very easy just to look at that as I'm walking and just remind myself every day in each of these areas, this is where I would like to be. And it's not a case of, oh my gosh, now I have to do something every single day. That's not what it is. I think it's just reminding yourself and having this, having this constant prompt that this is where I'm heading. This is the person I would like to become. This is what I want to do. Because otherwise, I think it's very easy when you set when you set just like one New Year's resolution or one goal or five targets for the year, things can be very long term. And I think that's, those are the cracks where things fall. First of all, do your goals have sufficient scope? Do they cover all areas of your life? Are you ensuring that you might be able to feel fulfilled in all areas of your life? Have you been sufficiently introspective? Have you really dug down deep through several layers of your psyche and of what you want, what you truly want. I think these steps are all super, super key and review regularly. So if you're new to this, I would start with daily reviews and then you can go down to weekly reviews, maybe even quarterly reviews. As you review, also be thinking about, and this is why I say audit, because it's not just a review stage. Be thinking about what you've written critically. Will the framework that you've designed really get you to that goal? Are the goals that you, as you've currently framed them, are they accurate? Does that truly reflect what you actually want from that area of your life? And don't be afraid to make small changes. If you need to make big changes, I would recommend just doing another, doing the whole exercise again as another life cycle. I do this monthly. So I will do the exercise again from scratch every month. Eventually I might only do it quarterly, but for now I'm doing it monthly. And on each day, I'm looking and reviewing what I've written and thinking critically about what I want and the steps I can take towards achieving what I want. And I'm refining all of those goals, all of those targets, that dream state. And I think for me, at least so far, it's been super helpful in helping me to achieve what I want, what truly satisfies me real fulfillment, not surface level stuff. I think it's very easy to get surface level stuff and realize that actually, ah, is this what I wanted? Does this give me the feeling I hoped I'd have? Very often it's not. So I think when you dig deep, when you ask yourself better questions, when you review and you audit your targets and goals, too often people set things in stone. I don't believe in that. I believe in being more esoteric in what I want for myself. I'm not saying, oh, I'm going to achieve X, Y, Z super specifically. It's the difference between having process versus identity based goals. If I broke that down even further, I'd say there's three types of goals. There's, and this again, I think comes from James Clear, where he defined them as process goals, 
outcome goals and identity goals and the strongest level being the third, because the point is you can have goals that only exist based on certain outcomes based on, Oh, if this happens, then I've achieved some success. It's the monkey hitting the button. The second level is process goals, building processes around, okay, making things happen. Okay. I'm going to build this kind of habit where I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Then I'm going to do this. And if it happens, then I'm successful. That's a great step forward. However, processes break down. How many times have you established a great habit only for it to fall by the wayside a few weeks or months later? That happens very often. But I think the key is really driving towards that third level, which is identity-based goals. Identity-based goals are automatic. When you are in X situation, this is what you do. That is the person who you are. So I think we shouldn't be afraid to set the statements that we want to be true about ourselves. And I think this life rule framework is a great way to do that. But I think whatever your goals are, whatever you're trying to achieve, it's really important to have something like that framework for being able to achieve it. So thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Don't forget to leave a review and share this with a friend. Seriously, those really help the podcast. And I think if you're finding this useful, then others would as well. And if you find it not useful, please send me a message. Like, honestly, I very often on Twitter, I'll ask, you know, what kind of things people want me to talk about, what kind of things people want me to tackle. And that is the content that I make. You know, it's largely for sharing what I learn with everyone else and helping as many people as possible. Not because I'm perfect. I'm on a journey of learning. That's what this is all about. This is about me learning how to be better, learning how to have more, learning how to be happier, learning how to be more fulfilled in every area of my life. You know, fulfillment is not just some esoteric thing. Fulfillment can be learning how to be rich. I absolutely want that. Learning how to love and be loved by everyone around you, learning how to give, learning how to contribute. I'm rambling. Suffice to say, I've enjoyed spending this time. I hope you appreciate it. Have a great day. Have a great week. And I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please do stay tuned for more. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. It really helps the podcast and follow me on Twitter. Feel free to shoot me any thoughts. See you next time. Founders Brewing Company has found a way to make an IPA you can enjoy anytime that's perfect for any occasion with their all-day IPA. At 4.7 ABV, you can still taste the hops, of course, but it's the complex array of malts and grains that make all-day IPA a beer that will grab your attention. That full flavor and low ABV is what continues to make it a staple in my fridge. Look for Founders in your favorite beer store or check out their full line of beer at foundersbrewing.com. Founders Brewing Company, born and brewed in Michigan since 1997. Circle K is America's thirst stop. And Dave's, especially when Dave needs refreshments for family movie night. So Dave heads straight to Circle K, where he grabs icy Polar Pop cups and frosters for the kids and chilled beer for the grown-ups. Enjoy family movie night, Dave. We'll be here for you all summer long. 
And right now at Circle K, score with 28-ounce Gatorade. Any flavor, three for $5. So make us your first stop. Circle K, America's thirst stop.